You're listening to the 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Sharing with you some wonderful Christmas hymns, our guest to give us the insights on these Christmas hymns, Benjamin Kloji. He's a member of Faith Lutheran Church in Plano, Texas, professional church organist and composer, and contributor to the Lutheran Service Book Hymnal Companion. Welcome back, Benjamin. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So we're moving forward in our Christmas hymns today. What Christmas hymn would you like to unfold or unpack for us? Well, let's talk about hymn 379, O Come All Ye Faithful. I think it's definitely one of the favorites, most yeah. recognizable. But this hymn is, it was kind of a case of mistaken identity for many years. It was thought to be medieval, medieval Latin or something going back many centuries. But we now know that it's really not all that old. It comes from John Wade. He was he lived in the middle of the 18th century. We don't know much about him, but we do know he was an English Catholic working in France. And very interestingly, he seemed to ply the trade of creating liturgical manuscripts. And that would be a great job to have. I would enjoy that if I was more artistic. But <laughs> so this, this hymn first appears in a manuscript in 1744. That, that Wade created. But if you look at the manuscript of the hymn, there it's, it, even though it looks medieval, it's, it's not. It's uh, from the 18th century. And so we have to start with a little bit of history. And if you remember your high school history, the late 17th and early 18th centuries were really kind of complicated times for England. They had that revolution in 1689, and that's the one in which Catholic monarch of the Stuart line was driven into exile. And the English Catholics found refuge in France where they could worship freely. This really does relate to the hymn. You got to trust me here. But Wade was living in a Catholic culture and he contributed to this culture in this hymn, which he likely composed in English, then translated into Latin because, of course, that was the liturgical language of the Catholic Church and composed a tune and then committed them both to a very ancient looking manuscript. So usually we have these ancient Latin hymns that are translated into English. This is the opposite. So there's been some scholarship in later years that have suggested the hymn actually held a double meaning. And so before I say this, I have to say, yes, of course, this hymn means exactly what it says. It's faithful, calling the faithful to worship Christ. But it might have also cryptically been Wade's way of protesting the Catholic's treatment in, in, in England, it might have cryptically referred to the Bonnie Prince Charlie, and it was possibly a call to the faithful to return to England, he, which he couched in terms of Bethlehem and the sing. So in this hymn, but imagine singing literally, O come, all ye faithful English Catholics, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to England. Come and behold him, Bonnie Prince Charlie. Well, you know, this that could have been the the interpretation if you knew what you're listening for but wade certainly intended its primary use to be sung to the actual king of angels christ the lord so any historical facts to the contrary really shouldn't diminish its use as a proper christmas hymn but note the character of this text it's not a romanticized carol i say oh, a little town of bethlehem phil brooks poetry is really great in that hymn but it doesn't convey a lot of doctrine has a lot of metaphor or, or like the sea amid the winter snow, which likes to talk about the climatic conditions and Christ's birth, that sort of thing. No, this, this is, this is not, not like that at all. We love those heroes. They're great. They contain the truth of the gospel, but consider 
this is the, the different nature of this hymn, O Come Ye Faithful. Consider this second stanza. Highest, most holy, light of light eternal, born of a virgin, immortal he comes. Son of the Father, now in flesh appearing, O come, let us adore him. So what, I mean, what does this remind you of? I mean, to me, I think the, the Nicene Creed, the Creed, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. I mean, these words come to mind when I sing this verse. So these incarnational sensibilities are not Wade's own, but they come from the creed which Protestants and Catholics alike profess. And so he continues. Sing, choirs of angels, sing in exultation. Sing, all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God in the highest. Now here Wade references the song of the angels at Jesus' birth. Of course, that opening line of the Gloria in the liturgy, whether a Catholic or Protestant, it's always glory to God in the highest or glory be to God on high, something like that. And then, yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. And here again, Wade is really careful to enunciate the doctrine of the Incarnation, something which is too often lost in our Christmas season's nebulous concerns about some ambiguous faith and belief, you know, and just being nice. But the Christmas season is about Christ, and we know it is, we, in order to know about Christ, we need to know exactly who he is and what he came to do. And we recall the prologue to John's Gospel, and he writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So I think Wade really wished to connect the incarnation of Jesus with the Father's word, the Father's revelation to the Gentiles. And here I think that Wade was probably familiar with that Latin carol, Quere Noctus Ex Parentis, which we have in our hymnal as of the Father's love begotten, which really cogently expresses the same sentiments of John 1 and this incarnation of the in its fourth century text. And we remember that verb, that hymn of the Father's love begotten, ere the worlds began to be. He is Alpha and Omega, he the source, the ending he of the things that are that have been and that future years shall see evermore and evermore. So this I think is the model on which Wade wanted to base his O come on ye faithful. And there have been a number of different translations of the Latin text. I mentioned earlier the creedal nature of stanza two. But consider this stand, translation of the stanza used in the Episcopal hymnal. God from God, light from light eternal. No, he abhors not the virgin's womb, only begotten son of the father. Now, I think the, L, the poetry in LSB is a bit more elegant. But either way you translate it, we are reminded of the creeds. And I think in terms of Christmas carols, this is one of those hymns which you could really never take the text away from the tune or switch them out, switch the tune out with another text. In some ways, the tune really brings the text alive. It's really stately and grand. Although, interestingly, anybody who's musical might be interested to know that it, the earliest manuscripts have it in a triple meter, like a waltz. Whoa. Um, that must have been kind of interesting. But the, it's, it's come to us in a 4-4 time, which gives us a, a grand tune in duple meter. And if you're familiar with famous King's College Cambridge lessons and carols, you'll know that this hymn has always served as the final hymn concluding the service. It doesn't tie to any specific reading 
like the other hymns in the service do, but instead it serves as a joyful and triumphant congregational song to summarize that whole entire narrative of Christ's birth with the preceding service has outlined. Again, kind of summarizing it in a creedal way. And perhaps it goes without saying, but none of us can actually go to see the child in the manger in Bethlehem. But this hymn allows us to relive that first Christmas with the shepherds, angels, and the Holy Family, but of course, without all the fear they must have had. And the liturgical year, we have this word anamnesis, which is a Greek word which means remembering, but it's also tinged with a bit of reliving. So we not only read about Christ's birth, death, or resurrection, but this, the liturgical year allows us to participate in a meaningful way, in a real manner. So once a year, we get to relive this elation of Christmas, in addition to the sadness and grief of Holy Week and the joy of Easter. We weren't really there, but these hymns, like O Come Ye Faithful, connect our emotions and our knowledge. They allow us to perhaps gain a semblance of what it must have been like to have been with Christ at these important moments in his ministry. Because our journey to that metaphorical Bethlehem should be no less joyful. Man, I love the historical connections with this hymn. It's so, I just find it so fascinating hymns that we've, a lot of us have probably grown up singing since we were just little kids. And there's all of these other connections and, and historical tidbits and things. And it's just so awesome to learn about those and to have this whole other perspective of this hymn when we get to sing it this Christmas. So Benjamin, thank you so much for telling us these, all these great stories about O'Connell Youth Faithful. You're welcome. You've been listening to The 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. <laughs>